kia ora e te whānau, tiki mai, kākea mai ki tēnei wakarererangi, uh, e rere atu ana ki tūranga nui akiwa. Ko uh, Lauren, te tūmau wakarererangi, uh, ko Sunny Soper, te kaiwhakarere tuarua, uh, ko Kiran Pabu ahau, uh, ko au te kāpane o tēnei wakarererangi, kānui tēnei ki a koutou katoa. That is the voice of Kiran Pabu. He is a pilot with Air New Zealand, speaking te reo while in the cockpit. A fourth-generation Indian New Zealander, he's been praised for his fluency by champions of the reo, including Matairangi Smith. Now, that is not all. Amongst other things, he's also a public artist. You may have seen some of his murals around Wellington. And Kiran is with us on Saturday morning to play favourites. You just landed, Kiran, didn't you? From where this morning? Tēnā koe, Susie. Uh, Inga ui o te motu, tēnā koutou katoa. Uh, namaste, and um, thanks for having me. I uh, was working this morning, flew in from Rotorua. And, was it a, a, a good flight into Wellington or, or was it one of those terrible landings that we've all had where the tyres touch down and then you have to sharply go back into the sky? Today, the weather has been a lot better than um, it was yesterday. Yesterday, was um, uh, there was quite a bit of disruption here in Wellington. Um, uh, over a lot of the country, there's quite a big weather system kind of moving through. Um, so there was a few of those kind of hair-raising moments. I was on the ground. I watched a couple of them. Um, and unfortunately, my aeroplane that I was supposed to take yesterday mm. uh, never got to Wellington, so my day at work uh, ended up being a bit of sitting around. <laughs> <laughs> going to the airport and going home? Uh, I ended up going to Rotorua in the end, yep. um, and then stayed the night there and then and flew back this morning. Fantastic. Um, tell me about that encounter, though, with uh, with Matai Smith that hit the headlines. Um, there is something that I look back with on... Um, it really took me by surprise, I guess. It, it wasn't something new, announcing or making that announcement. Um, I had been doing that for probably two years. Um, and you get you get feedback along the way. Um, to have Matai there and to praise me in that way and mm. then to use, I guess, he leveraged his public profile um, and it really kind of um, found resonance with a lot of people. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I... Um, I guess I was just being being me, and that's all I used to really try to do through mm. life. Um, and yeah, it really took me by surprise, if, if I can sum it up. Mm. Where did you learn your reo? Um, I was quite fortunate growing up. I had some really great uh, Māori teachers at primary school, intermediate school, and so we did a lot of um, kapahaka, waiata, and just being exposed to uh, te reo Māori in general. And then through... Um, while I was at university, um, a flatmate was uh, learning, and so did a bit of learning with him. And a, a lot of it's really just been self-taught um, and listening to other people. In fact, um, listening to you and Guy on, on Morning Report was actually a really big inspiration for me. Um, that was possibly probably listening to Guy's Mihi on Morning Report was the kind of genesis of me to. Uh, Deciding that that was something really cool and that we could bring to that I could bring to New Zealand if if I tried, um, and I started. That's where I started. Um, I almost, in a sense, copying guy on in a mm. way. Um, that picking my kaki, my you, mm. you'll recognise from <laughs> from the morning report um, intro quite often. Um, and yeah, I just thought he was really um, brave, and I know that he um, really put himself out there doing that and. 
um, he stood up for what he believed in, and I really believe in, in Te Reo Māori and the value of that, and so just really wanted to take that to work with me. What kind of reactions have you had, though, from people? Um, look, people generally, um, if they're not into it, they don't say anything. But the really cool thing is that when people are um, enjoy it, they'll really let you know. Mm. And um, so you have, you know, everything people call out as they um, they pass the flight deck when they're they're getting off the aircraft. Um, the um, one of my favourites and one of my I think kind of all time favourite moments working for New Zealand was an old koro who came up to the flight deck said, I, I want to speak to the pilot. And I'm kind of, you're a bit nervous at that point. You don't know what they're going to say. Mm. Um, but he, he said, um, he said, I'm just so proud of you for using Te Reo Māori. And um, he reached out his, his hand and I thought he was going to give me a handshake, but he actually pulled me in for a hongi. Um, and that to me was just a really uplifting moment, a reaffirming moment. Um, and it's those little things where um, I guess for people who speak Te Reo Māori to celebrate those others who are speaking Te Reo Māori that really ups, uplifts them and, and helps um, kind of grow that, that movement. Mm. But yeah, that's probably my favourite reaction that I've had to date. That's really beautiful and a really a really special moment for for both of you and in, indeed for, I guess, there would have been other people around because when people are getting off planes, there's always people milling around who, who kind of become part of those situations as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Your first song that we're going to play, um, it's in Te Tell us a bit about it. Um, I've always loved the song Bathe in the River uh, by Holly Smith. And um, when they they did that Waita Anthem series, when they started, um, I I first heard the song on Nine to Noon, actually. Bit of a, mm-hmm. We listened to a lot of RNZ around <laughs> at our house. Um, <laughs> And um, I just thought that the the real aspect of it added um, added something to it. I, I just really love that. It adds an element. It's really beautiful. And um, also the the way in which Holly Smith um, talks in the little TVNZ documentary they made about the song, about overcoming her fear of using Te Reo Māori or, or singing in Te Reo Māori, um, that kind of resonated with me as well because you do have to... Um, to overcome that first that first kind of step and to get there, but what she's produced here and what I think Don McGlashan has produced mm. in this song is um, it's really beautiful and it, I think it's added and enhanced the song um, from its original version. Let's hear it. This is Holly Smith and Don McGlashan.
Urukutia, Holly Smith and Don McGlashan, uh, one of the favourites of Kiran Parbu. Uh, we are playing favourites with him today. Um, that's such a fantastic song, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, now, you are a pilot, as we were talking about with your uh, Tereo uh, while at the controls of the plane. Um, was that something that you always had as a dream? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> How did um, you end up as a be, pilot then? So I grew up and I went through, I guess like most people, a number of ideas of what I was going to become when I was mm. young, uh, older. I initially, I think I always wanted to be a zookeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, at school I, I did a lot of creative subjects and I wanted to either be a graphic designer or an architect. Mm-hmm. And then at some point we must have gone on a, a holiday or a trip and there was, I remember going uh, over to Australia and you got to go up to see the pilots in the flight deck. Yeah. And um, I must have come back and said to someone in my whānau that I wanted to be a pilot because before I knew it, that was what I kind of, everyone said, oh, he wants to be a pilot. Oh. And I, I did genuinely have, I did have a, develop an interest in that. <laughs> um, and uh, so, but everyone just kind of, yeah, you, you, you're going to be a pilot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he wants to be a pilot, and um, yeah. So I got to the end of school, and I had to make this this choice um, about what I was going to do. And um, uh, I said to one of my relatives, "I said, oh, I'm going to. Not sure. I might pilot training, mm-hmm. or I might you know be an architect, um, or a graphic designer." And she said, um, "You, we have graphic designers in our family. You should do something different. Don't be boring." Oh. Um, and uh, that was uh, it's a moment that really has stuck with me in time, and I um, yeah I look back on that now, and she's unfortunately left us, but um, yeah that that whole ethos of um, go and do it and 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 don't be boring. I think that's something that I've I've tried to keep with me throughout my life, and it's led me into becoming a pilot and lots of other things. But I guess one of the things about being a pilot is. Um you know, it takes a lot to become a pilot. Lots of people want to be pilots. I wanted to be a pilot. That's not happened. Um, you know, it, it. you really have to, to dig in to get there. Yeah. Yep. It was a, a pretty intensive um, program of training um, over about three years to become qualified as a commercial pilot and then uh, went further and uh, did my training to become a flying instructor. Um, and that's how I got my first job and, and kind of break into the industry. Mm. Um, but yeah, it does require a lot um, of study um, and application. And you do, I think you really do have to have a, a good passion for it um, to, to drive you through that, just like, mm. like anything. Um, and uh, look, I probably wasn't the greatest um, hands and, and feet kind of coordinated pilot to start with, mm-hmm. I think. I've kind of developed that better in that aspect over time. Um, I'm sure people are glad to hear that. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's reassuring. But yes. Um, but <laughs> I, yeah, I think I was quite good at applying myself to the study aspect. And um, I think quite often, if you can get your head around what you're supposed to be doing and how you're going to do it, eventually your body and the physical coordination skills catch up. Mm. Um, and yeah. Um, I guess as well, um, you know, you have to learn to deal with disappointment uh, during the learning process. And this is something you've seen on on sort of both sides of things with the flying school as well. 
yes. an instructor too. Yes, yeah, so I work as a, a flight instructor at a, um, a flying school called the Walsh Memorial Scout Flying School, and that's run over two weeks every January up in Matamata in the Waikato. And um, we we bring in a whole bunch of aeroplanes to the, the airfield there, and um, we teach these young people uh, who come from around the country um, about flying for two weeks. Um, and if um, all going to plan, um, they'll be able to do their first solo flight at the end of that two weeks. It's pretty intense, um, and it comes with a lot of ups and downs, and especially for those young people, um, they are learning a really new skill, something that um, when they come, one of the requirements is that they haven't done any kind of or a much flight training um, before they arrive. So it's really fresh, mm. and it's really intensive, and being a teenager in, in that environment and um, it teaches them a lot about flying but also a lot about themselves and um, I was lucky I had three great students um, this year who all um, I got to send up on their their first solo flights oh, amazing. Um, but they all had different challenges that they had to overcome um, and they got to these bits where they they kind of hit the stumbling block and we had to talk about well the disappointment it's good to feel disappointment I think because mm. if you feel disappointment you know that you're invested in it Mm. Um, and then we had to kind of um, kind of work out how are we going to turn that disappointment into something positive and you um, they all worked really hard and they um, managed to get to that stage where I was able to get out of the airplane while it was on the ground mm. and um, send them up on their first um, <laughs> so yeah I don't parachute out um, um, while it was on the ground and send them up to do their first solo flight um, around the aerodrome, come back, and then you, they come back, and you see that elation on their face that they've achieved this yeah. this massive goal, and it's just um, that's really fulfilling as a as a flight instructor and just as a human being in general, mm. I guess. You've chosen a Billy Joel track, which reflects the uh, the ups and downs. Tell me about that. Um, I kept, oh, firstly, mm. I was I was warned by um, a friend about playing Billy Joel on the radio. Why? I apparently so. Apparently back in the day, um, Billy Joel it was quite tribal whether people liked Billy Joel or, or didn't. Um, but I'll, I'll point out that I wasn't around in Billy Joel's heyday, um, so I don't. And know. I wasn't old enough in Billy Joel's heyday, so I don't know. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, apparently yeah. Anyway, he, um, <laughs> we're, we're going to play Billy we're Joel. We're going to play a Billy Joel not. song. Text in if you uh, <laughs> if you really have some strong views about Billy Joel. Um, the two hundred one. The song features the the kind of that line in there. It's either sadness or euphoria, mm. and it's got this great. The, I love the piano in it, and um, I think that that line, kind of sadness and euphoria, is um, kind of reflects those ups and downs. And like I said, I think it's important that people we have those emotional experiences in life and that we that is what life is mm. to me um, and if we have those experiences I think we know that we're we're living well this is summer at Highland Falls by Billy Joel times I've ever known And I believe there is a time for meditation in cathedrals of our own 
That was Billy Joel, um, which some of you are enjoying and some of you are not. I don't, I don't understand this Billy. Why people? Anyway, we played some Billy Joel there, um, but there's no more Billy Joel. So if you were struggling with that, stay with us because so many people are uh, enjoying talk, uh, enjoying this conversation with you, Kieran. Um, this person says, "Nice interview until Billy Joel. He has to be one of the most boring singer-songwriters ever, no matter what age you discovered him. Never mind." Never mind. Um, someone else saying, Kieran, I struggle when living in Australia and wanting to be in New Zealand, or like now, living in New Zealand and wanting to be in Australia. But imagine flying back into Aotearoa and hearing you speak in Māori from the flight deck would fill my heart with joy and make me proud to return to the country of my birth. Even hearing that earlier made me happy with my decision to be back living here again in spite of the weather. That's oh, from Colette. Nicola Toki, a forest and bird, has been in touch saying Kieran's an absolute legend. So stoked to hear his inspiring words at a time when there's so much nasty rhetoric about te reo in New Zealand. Karawe. Thank you, Nicola. Oh, Someone else uh, saying, I don't understand a word of the song in te reo, but it still brought tears to my eyes. That's Michael B. Um, stick with us because we've got some other fantastic songs coming up, including one called Traces of You. But before we get to that... Um, Tell me about how your family ended up here. Um, my family is uh, 
from India, mm-hmm. um, of Gujarati origin, which is a state on the, the western coast of India. Mm-hmm. And uh, my great-grandfather moved uh, or decided to leave uh, India mm-hmm. in search of a better life. Um, and through the connections to the Commonwealth, he first ended up in Fiji, um, and he was there for a short time, and then uh, the option to come to Aotearoa, New Zealand, came up, and so he, he took that. Mm. Um, and the um, that was in 1921 when he arrived, so mm-hmm. over 100 years ago now, and my family, we had a celebration in, in 2021 wow. uh, to celebrate that and mark that milestone. Um, but yeah, it really was in search of a, a better life, I guess, post... Um, the you know British leaving um, India. Mm. I guess they didn't necessarily leave it in the best state. Mm. Um, the uh, he arrived in uh, Tamaki Makoto in Auckland, mm-hmm. and um, he tried growing potatoes in Pukekohe for a little while, and and um, that didn't really work out. Um, and he left the group of Indians that he arrived with and he went out on his own and into the forestry sector mm-hmm. out in the Wairiki and uh, around Leporoa, uh, Kaingaroa, uh, Murupara kind of area yeah. and he worked in a forestry gang there and um, I guess I didn't know this growing up but he um, and that forestry gang was largely Māori mm-hmm. and he actually learnt a lot uh, te reo Māori and he, he um, learned to love a good boil up, apparently, and um, he had this this great kind of affinity with the Maori people that kind of took him in and took him under their wing, mm. um, and kind of looked after him while he was up there. And eventually, uh, he moved to uh, here down to Te Whanganui Atara and to mm. Wellington, and that's where our family's been based based since. Mm. Um, yeah, it was really just that search for a, for a better life um, that um, led him to leave India. And mm. through that, he kind of made enough money that he could bring his other, his brothers, his siblings, to uh, here to New Zealand. Um, and we have quite a large extended family. In fact, most of kind of the family that I know now um, is in Aotearoa. Mm. Do you take an interest in current affairs and what's going on in India at the moment? Uh, I do. How, I, I do you feel connected to that? I, how does that work? This the my connection to India is something that I've always uh, struggled with mm. um, throughout my life, trying to find that balance of being uh, in Aotearoa. Um, I guess never quite knowing if you fully belong here, but also I guess I don't necessarily fully identify with India. I'm very proud. Now that I've grown up, I, I recognise that I am Indian and uh, I am proud of that. But um, there's things about India that I, I do like. Um, I think it's very enterprising. If you look at it now, it's it's developing very quickly. Mm. They're doing some great great stuff. They had launched their um, their moon lunar landing um, mission last year, and they mm. were successful. And they did that on a, a shoestring of a budget compared to some of these other far more developed nations in that aspect, the, the Chandrayaan rocket, I think that was called. Um, but there's also aspects of India that are kind of embedded in this kind of uh, patriarchal kind of uh, colonised kind of sense around the treatment of, of women 
and um, the rainbow community, which mm. I, as a reasonably progressive person, I kind of don't really associate with. So it's, there's bits of, of India that I really do associate with and I and bits that I don't. Mm. Um, and, it, yeah, I'm still, I guess, always trying to find that balance in my life of, of where that sits. Mm. So tell me about uh, Traces of You, which is the song we're going to play shortly. I guess, like I said, it's trying to find that balance between tradition and, and assimilation. And um, this song is by um, Anushka Shankar, um, who is the daughter of the famous Indian sitar player Ravi Shankar, um, who some of the listeners might know through his connection to uh, the Beatles. Um, and, or, or just in his own right, he was very mm. famous. Um, and so his daughter plays the sitar and his uh, other daughter, Nora Jones, uh, sings and I, I thought the song was just a great combination of taking the really nice and beautiful parts of Indian music and then bringing in this modern aspect to it and I thought it was a really nice blend together This is Traces of You Oh 
Anushka Shankar featuring Nora Jones there with Traces of You. You're listening to RNZ National Saturday morning with Susie Ferguson. Uh, I'm talking with Kieran Parbu this morning. Um, Matty says, lovely interview with Kieran. The power of Te Reo Māori to reach people's hearts is very special. Listening to a whaikōrero by an elder from the Whanganui River moved my Welsh mother to tears, although she didn't understand one word. It is indeed a national taonga for Aotearoa New Zealand. Erica says, Morena, this is such a cup-filling interview, a great example of the rich culture that we have in New Zealand, the value of continually learning and the role of language enhancing our lives, inspiring me to keep going on my Tereo journey. Ngamihi korua. Thank you too, Erica, for getting in touch with us. 2101 if you want to get in touch with us. Um, Kieran, sport is a big deal for you. Um, you do all manner of things, but um, ocean swimming? It's a bit chilly around here sometimes. Oh, it's quite tropical at the moment. Well, at the so moment it's all right. Even I get in the water at the moment, but that's, you know... Yeah, I mean... Um, only if it's warm. Yeah, I've been swimming without a wetsuit down in the um, the Wellington Harbour yep. um, for the last uh, couple of months. Um, the water's up at about 18 degrees Celsius, which is pretty good here for, for Wellington. Mm. Um, and uh, I go down in the mornings uh, and I join our uh, swimming group, the washing machines. We all um, <laughs> We all go out for a... For a swim, um, and we all meet up afterwards. And I think the real appeal is that we meet up for a coffee afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Co- coffee good. and it's scones always. Uh. Coffee and scones, but I guess in the in the winter, oh, when are you going to have to dig out your wetsuit again? Uh, I try and keep it delay that as long as possible. Um, but I guess we were talking before. I'm a pretty slight person, and um, I lose the body heat pretty quick. So mm. once the water gets below about 14 degrees. I need to chuck the wetsuit back on to mm. um, to make sure I can stay warm enough. Do you get that euphoria, the kind of the you know the euphoria, the cold water therapy thing that people talk about? Uh, oh, people talk about it a lot. I don't, uh. I don't necessarily get it. Okay, um, unfortunately, I enjoy the euphoria of being out in the water. And mm. um, I think that's really, um, it's kind of isolating, um, but. We get out in the water in the harbour in the middle of winter and the sun's rising and it's a beautiful still morning um, and the Wellington Harbour is just picturesque. Um, that's the euphoria that I get. Is it an octopus's garden? Never seen an octopus and I would kind of like to, but I think um, I'd also be kind of mildly terrified at the same time. <laughs> Um, there's, uh, there's a few jellyfish around at the moment. Um, there sure are. Uh, yeah, mainly just the, the moon jellyfish, which are harmless. Um, and they um, they kind of bump into you, or I bump into them as I swim along. Mm. Um, and I've seen uh, we've seen some some fish, and occasionally the, the stingrays come scooting mm. along the Freiburg Beach, and they're always so graceful they're to watch. They're amazing, eh? I just, yeah, I love um, uh, the marine life mm. that we have around um, Wellington. Well, let's hear from the beetles. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. He'd let us in, knows where we've been in his octopus's garden in the shade. My friends to come and see An 
Susie, says Sandra, adding to your speaker, Kieran Parbu, talking of sea swimming. A friend and I go year round in the Otago Harbour at Port Chalmers without wetsuit. I applaud you. A very short swim, I must say, but it feels great, she says. Um, Another one here saying, just looked up Kieran and read the article about Matai hearing him on the flight to Gisborne that we were talking about mm. right at the beginning. I feel overwhelmed with aroha. I'm tearful, in fact. I'm in my 60s and missed any opportunity to learn te on my day. It's never too late. Uh, this person saying it should be compulsory in primary schools. I'm so proud of Kieran. Oh, thank you. Yeah, kia ora. Thank you very much for your text messages. Um, now, another song, because time is marching on here. Uh you're a bit of a fan of Schitt's Creek, the TV show, and we're going to play simply the best. Yes. Why is that? Um, I really, yeah, love the show Schitt's Creek. It's it's charming, it's it's funny, and it has these really little uh, cool moving moments in there. And um, one of them is uh, character David uh, explaining his sexuality to his friend Stevie. Um, and she uses the analogy, I thought you were a red wine drinker, um, but now I'm not so sure. Maybe you drink white wine. Um, and he comes up with the line, I like uh, the wine, not the label. Um, and that's uh, really resonated with me because that's how I kind of feel in life. Um, I identify as, as bisexual. And the 
I've never said that publicly before, but it's something that I've known about myself since I was pretty much when I was at intermediate school. Um, and uh, that I like the wine, not the label. Yeah, pretty much really summed it up for me. I, I just like people, and, and I hope that the people that I, um, that I meet are kind-hearted, that they're genuine, and that they're interesting. Um, and I don't think people who know me will be too confused about that uh, or too shocked by that, but maybe... Um, a little bit confused because I have been in a, a heterosexual relationship for um, 14 plus years now, um, and uh, my partner Stacy, she's uh, she's really wonderful. She was the first person that I ever came out to. Actually, I came out to her when it, you know after we'd been dating for about 18 months, and um, I figured that it was had to be honest about it at some point. Mm. Um, and uh, I thought that sh- that might be a deal breaker for her. Um, but she said no, and she's she's been my biggest supporter, um, and since, and I'm just so full of gratitude for that. Um, and you know that that's kind of sat there as a part of our relationship, but it, it doesn't define our relationship. It doesn't define me. Um, it has you know expanded our group of friends, um, expanded our appreciation of, of people, um, and I yeah I'm just so thankful. Um, for her support, I, the Shits Creek. Um, they have these love stories in in Shits Creek that are. They treat them all with the same level of respect, and um, whether they're queer or um, heterosexual relationships, they all just portray love as love, and that's what I really love about the show. Um, and this song comes from the show, and it's uh, Patrick singing to David, um, and in that moment regardless of who it was that song is just it's just love um and so i just wanted to remind people that yeah love is love um i'm also a bit have an affinity to this song because at our at our wedding um i played the guitar and sang as stacy came down the aisle um we're actually be six years next week wow yeah um and so i really love the serenading aspect of this um this is noah reed and simply the best from schitt's creek I want to dedicate this next song to um, a very special someone in my life, David Rose. I call you when I need you, my heart's on fire. You come to me, wild and wild. You come to me and give me everything I need. Give me a lifetime of promises and a world of dreams Speak the language of love like you know what it means And it can't be wrong Take my heart and make it strong, babe You're simply the best Better than all the rest Better than anyone Anyone I've ever met And I'm stuck on your heart I hang on every word you say Or tear us apart Baby, I would rather be dead In your heart I see the start of every night and every day In your eyes I get lost, I get washed away Just as long as I'm here in your arms I can be in no better place You're simply the best 
Better than all the rest Better than anyone Anyone I've ever met And I'm stuck on your heart I hang on every word you say Will tear us apart Baby, I'd rather be dead Oh, each time you leave me I start losing control Like you're walking away With my heart and my soul I can feel you, babe Even when I'm alone Baby, don't let go Cause you're simply the best Better than all the rest Better than anyone Anyone I've ever met And I'm stuck on your heartbeat I hang on every word you say Will tear us apart Well, I would rather be dead Ooh. 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 Oh, you're the best That's Noah Reed, but you're the best, Kieran. No, according to listen, according to the texters, Kieran is a national Tonga in so many ways. Love the interview. This one says Kieran for prime minister. Oh, no, he is exactly he is exactly what Aotearoa needs. He is fearless and kind. Kia kaha etama. Kia ora. There you go. You're the best, Kieran. Um. Amongst other things, you are also an artist. Yeah, we should probably talk about that. We should probably talk about that because um, there are quite a few of your murals around the place. I actually walked past you when you were painting one of them. I saw you at the airport just before Christmas and I didn't uh, sit on that Susie Ferguson. I should probably say hello and tell her how much I enjoyed listening to her on the radio. I was probably scowling, though, because that's my natural resting place. Uh, And I didn't. And now, look, we're here. (laughs) And so somehow life has rewarded me for being a coward. Well, I saw you painting the mural in Brooklyn. And I was coming out from... I'd been at the cinema with my daughter and we had to get somewhere. And I can't remember where, because I remember walking past you to get to the car where the car was parked down the hill. And looking at it and being like, ah... Because I've never really seen anyone painting a mural. Like, they pop up, but you don't often see people painting them. And I walked past you painting it, and I was like, that is really beautiful. I should probably stop and say something, but I have to get to whatever this other pointless thing was that I've forgotten. Anyway, um, so there's one in Brooklyn, but it's not the only one. How do you get into painting murals and stuff it's while you're already being a pilot and all the other things <laughs> you're doing? I, so I've always done... I've loved art. I did a lot of creative subjects at school. Um And uh, in 2020, while uh, COVID was happening and uh, as pilots we weren't doing a lot of work, um, I saw an ad for a competition to design a mural Mm. um, in your local space that was run by um, Rosine and Keep New Zealand Beautiful. And so I I put together a proposal and um, with great kind of enthusiasm and naivety, yeah, sent this proposal in and they came back and, and gave me a, a commission to produce this artwork on this big 75 metre square wall. And um, I hadn't really appreciated what I had signed myself up for. Mm. But um, I we bro- I broke it down into chunks and I painted this uh, mural on the, the substation going mm. up Brooklyn Hill that people might have seen. And um, 
it was a bit of a, a bit of a slog and a love hate relationship at the time. <laughs> um, but I, I got there and I was actually, yeah, I'm really happy. And, and initially, when you finish, you always see the flaws in it. But it's been mm. a couple of years since that now, and, and um, I actually really, really like driving past it or walking past it and um, seeing it. Yeah. And it's 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 really beautiful. It's I mean the colours and stuff are beautiful, and it's a real, not just that one, but a lot of your murals are real kind of celebrations of Aotearoa. Yeah, I liked uh, the Keep New Zealand Beautiful ones are um, commissions and nature themed, and so they generally are um, about kind of the native flora and fauna um, that around Wellington. There's so mm. so many great examples in Wellington, um, and. Uh, so I did another one recently in Brooklyn, um, up the top of the hill, with um, a whole bunch of uh, insects and uh, other creatures that pollinate flowers. So mm. that was that was quite bright and colourful. And then the one down on Guzney Street, um, which was a celebration of the the bird of the century. Ah, uh, the um, puteki teki rises again. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting <laughs> uh, hearing everyone's views as they walked past about the the puteki teki. And this one woman walked past. She said, "I love this mural." Love all the birds, and on the on the mural there's um, a little picture of John Oliver as well. And she said, except for him. <laughs> and um, with the, the, it's almost like the clouds came over and the the sky turned dark in that moment when she pointed at John Oliver and scowled. Um, such was her visceral kind of response. Um, but yeah, being out in the community, the painting itself is is great. But being out in the community and seeing and meeting all the people that walk past, I think that's actually almost what I enjoy more and mm. um, you meet some yeah some great people and mm. just all sorts of people mm. and I just love you know, people stop and have a chat I think that's really cool fantastic we're just gonna uh, end with um, Sunshine which hopefully will be a nice literal ray of warmth into your day but thank you very much Kieran for being here it's been fantastic Kieran Parbu